Coming to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz here in studio to bring you the next hour of Sounders FC Talk here on KJR. Every Tuesday night here at 7 o'clock, we bring you all the latest and greatest with the Seattle Sounders. A lot to cover tonight. Uh, Big plans for the show tonight. They've been in the works all day. I have a whole bunch of interviews to play for you today that uh, you really, really enjoy. Some great soccer talk. Grant Wall, he's a senior writer with Sports Illustrated, also with Fox Sports TV. He has a new book out called Masters of Modern Soccer, How the World's Best Play the 21st Century Game. You'll hear that interview coming up very momentarily here in the first segment here on Sounders Weekly. Grant is one of the most brilliant minds of soccer here in the nation, uh, to, to be honest. Uh, he has traveled and he has interviewed some of the world's uh, best players. You're going to hear about that and, and how he designed this book. And then his general thoughts on the Seattle Sounders, uh, the state of the of the club right now. They're 1-4-1. and one. We'll get to the loss in L.A. here momentarily. Uh, but Grant Wall, we talk about that, we talk about the team, and then uh, ex- expand a little bit talking about MLS as a whole. Uh, a couple just general questions uh, to Grant as well. So uh, a lot coming up in the interview with Grant that you'll hear from shortly. Uh, and then in the middle segment, we'll talk to Garth Lagerwey, a general manager and president of soccer with the Seattle Sounders. Uh, joins every week here in the middle segment here on Sounders Weekly for an interview. Uh, this week we cover a number of topics. Uh, it's it's tra- it's transfer deadline day, uh, and if you're if you're new to MLS, if you're just trying to get in the soccer thing, so basically how this works in 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 Major League Soccer is there are windows in which you can you can bring players over, you can transfer players. So we are currently at the end of one of these windows, uh, and right now they're they're going to be the window will close and then it will reopen in about eleven weeks, and then that then what we call the summer window. So right now this is the deadline. They would need to sign somebody in the next, what's it, five hours or two hours of East Coast time. So uh, need, need to sign somebody in a very short period of time in order for it to work. Uh, so you'll hear exactly uh, about the Sounders, uh, what they did today, uh, right from the general manager. Garth Lagerway joined me uh, just a few moments ago. We, we just finished recording an interview just a few moments ago. So you'll hear that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Some really interesting comments there from Garth and uh, we also talk a little bit about the similarities between the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Sounders and and it turns out that you know these these guys you know with the with clubs you know Garth Lagerway, John Schneider, Jerry Depoto it's interesting because I guess you know as, as somebody who watches these guys work you wouldn't think that they could they, they could watch each other and pick up certain things but Garth goes into exactly what he can pick up from John Schneider and learn from him so an interesting conversation. You'll hear that inside the interview with Garth Lagerway at the bottom of the hour. And then we'll close the show with a conversation with Will Bruin, Seattle Sounders Ford, talking about the loss in L.A., uh, looking ahead to Columbus this week. That match, Saturday at 1 o'clock. We'll have that for you right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Uh, so exactly what are the Sounders looking at with Columbus? Will Bruin gives a great scouting report. Uh, we also have some fun towards the end of that interview as well. So big show here for you tonight uh we open before we get to grant wall's interview open the show by talking about uh by actually sorry giving away something that's right so the hyatt at all of eight uh has a has a monthly trivia feature here on the show we did it i would say about three four weeks ago i want to say and it's time for another trivia question so today's trivia question is presented by the hyatt at all of eight 
the official hotel partner of Seattle Sounders FC. The winner of this trivia question will receive a $50 gift certificate towards a dining experience at Urbane in the Hyatt at Olive 8. So a good deal there. You want to go get uh, a nice free meal, then all you got to do is answer this question right. So once you hear the question, you'll call 206-286-9595 or 1-800-829-0950. That's 206 206- Two eight six ninety five ninety five or one eight hundred eight two nine zero nine five zero, and the first person to get this question right will receive the fifty dollar gift certificate. So the question is this: Who is the only player in club history to record three assists in a single postseason? Who is the only player in club history to record three assists in a single postseason? So. Uh, that is the question. The first caller at 206-286-9595-1800-829-0950 to get that right. We'll get the gift card. Uh, but for now, uh, I will direct us now to an interview I had earlier today with Grant Wall. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, also with Fox Sports TV, and the author of a very cool new book that we talked about at the start of the interview. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for coming on, Grant. Uh, so let's start off by talking about your new book. The name of it is Masters of Modern Soccer, How the World's Best Play the 21st Century Game. Uh, start me off. Tell me about the book and your motivations to write it. Yeah. So, I mean, this book is based on a famous baseball book by the political writer George Will about the, the sport of baseball, and he divided it. It's about the craft of baseball. He divided it into four functions. Um, pitcher, hitter, fielder, and manager, and picked one person to represent each who was really good at what they did, but also really intelligent at explaining how they did their job. And no one has really done that for any other sport. My idea was to do it for soccer. And so I have seven figures in my book, uh, a goalkeeper, Manuel Neuer, World Cup champion, a defender, Vincent Company, Premier League champion with Man City, um, defensive midfielder, Xabi Alonso, World Cup winner, Champions League winner, attacking midfielder, Christian Pulisic, the top American men's player, uh, Rita Hernandez from Mexico is the forward, and the manager is Roberto Martinez of Belgium, and the director of football is Michael Zork, uh, kind of a money ball type for Borussia Dortmund. And over a two-year period, I did a bunch of interviews with each one of these guys about the craft of what they do. Uh, in their sport and uh, really enjoyed learning uh, so many new things uh, just by focusing on the details of of the sporting side of it. Usually I, I tend to do a lot of storytelling in my writing. And this is less storytelling and more just interesting stuff about uh, what takes place on the field itself. So let's get into that. What takes place on the field? You know, you have right here looking at the cover, Christian Pulisic, Chicharito, as you mentioned there. So when we talk about the 21st century game, what exactly are we talking about in terms of how it's changed? And then if you can also talk about what we're looking at here in MLS compared to that. I know there's obviously you know, the drop off. We always look at the other leagues across the pond and talk about the level that they're at in comparison. But what is the modern soccer game that this book kind of goes into? Well, what happened as I started doing these interviews was uh, I enjoyed asking the the players involved, when you hear the term modern football or modern soccer, what do you think of? Right. And and a guy like Vincent Company or Xabi Alonso or even Christian Pulisic, they can talk for like 10 minutes at a time about what modern soccer means to them. And... I picked up on that, and, and it was a real common theme in the book, 
basically, if you compare how the sport looks today to, you know, I've got a video of the 1970 World Cup final uh, between Brazil and Italy, and there's some amazing players, obviously, in that game, but I was struck by the fact that the sport looks almost, looks almost like a different sport in some ways. Um, you know, there's a lot less defensive pressure all over the field. There's a lot more attacking players on the field than you see today. And the roles on the field are sort of stereotypical roles. You didn't see center backs in 1970 who had great ball skills and, and could, you know, could be great passers in many cases. And, uh, and so what's happened in the modern game is uh, you're required to do a lot of different things and not just the stereotypical things like shot stopping for goalkeepers. If you're Manuel Neuer, you're uh, a big part of distributing the ball to get the attack going for your team. You're uh, a sweeper keeper in his case, you know, coming far out of his goal to, you know, his goal box to, uh, to make clearances. And, you know, each position has sort of a modern spin on it now where if you want to compete at the highest levels, you really do need uh, to master those different things. So where are we in MLS right now compared to, you mentioned kind of having lots more attacking players, center backs with ball skills. Where are we in MLS? And I guess the question that probably a lot of people are wondering here in Seattle as Sounder fans is how close are we getting to that modern game that we see being played at a very high level over there? Well, you know, I think MLS is getting better and better every year. And I think, uh, you know, stuff like targeted allocation money and just mm-hmm. mere spending increases per team are making the quality better. Uh, you know, there's, it's not the level in MLS that it is in, uh, in the Bundesliga or the Premier League or La Liga. Mm-hmm. I think everyone understands that. Um, and yet, you know, like in the Christian Pulisic chapter, we had a, a very deep discussion about uh, his first touch and how he developed that first touch as a kid and, um, you know, and what he does with it today to try and set himself up, not just to stop the ball when he gets it, but to set up the next attacking play to move the ball forward. And I think one way to sort of uh, tell if you're watching an MLS game or, uh, or a, you know, a Champions League knockout game in Europe is the first touch is better in Europe. Uh, and I think you can, there's a little more margin for error in MLS with with first touches, things like that. And there's other other examples, uh, you know, on the field like that. My guest on Sounders Weekly, his name is Grant Wall. He is a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, also on Fox Sports TV, and the new uh, the author of the new book, Masters of Modern Soccer, How the World's Best Play the 21st Century Game. Uh, Grant, where can people pick up your new book? It's available, it's available wherever you buy books, book. <laughs> uh, including, you know, actual bookstores and online and uh, there's an excerpt in this week's Sports Illustrated magazine on, and also on SI.com uh, about Christian Pulisic. Uh, there's also going to be another excerpt coming out on Chicharito. Uh, so uh, if you want to get a sense of what is in the book, those are good places to start. Good stuff. So it's Masters of Modern Soccer. You just Google that. You'll find a copy anywhere. Grant, you were in L.A. on Sunday uh, for the LAFC home opener against the Seattle Sounders. Before we talk about the game itself, uh, just quickly talk about the atmosphere and the pomp and circumstance that was existing there for L.A. They had the parachuting guy in there. They had a whole bunch of festivities going on there before the game. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, a big show uh, to show off the, the newest stadium in MLS and 
Uh, it's a pretty impressive facility, $350 million, uh, all privately funded, which I think is important. Mm. And it's going to be a great place to, to watch soccer for a long time to come. It's, you know, it's in Los Angeles. And, you know, you have a great view of downtown L.A. Um, and so LAFC really does seem to be doing things right in a lot of ways. Um, you know, maybe the game wasn't the greatest game ever, but, uh, you know, it was at least an interesting game uh, for, for parts of it. And, you know, surprising to see a, a keeper of the quality of Stefan Fry give up that late goal. And that kind of leads us to talking about the game. How much sleep do you think Fry got that Sunday night? Well, you know, he's had so many good moments yeah. in this league, in in finals and in other occasions that that's that's part of goalkeeping. You're going to have situations like that happen if you're a goalkeeper in the professional game long enough. Um, but yeah, it was surprising. Um, and LASC is off to an amazing start. They're five and two, and only one of those seven games has been at home. So. Uh, Bob Bradley has won an MLS Cup with an expansion team before, back in 1998 with Chicago. Right. And even even though the league is completely different now compared to then, there's so many more teams. It's, it's a tougher league. Um, who knows? He may he may really be putting LAFC in a position to at least contend. Yeah, LAFC five and two start, the best expansion record through seven games in MLS history, making that mark over the team that had the best expansion start to that point. Let's talk a little bit about the Sounders here. What do you make of this team six games into a season that finds them one four and one? Can all of their struggles simply be blamed on fixture congestion with CONCACAF and then you know the injury situation that they're still trying to get back from right now? No, not all of them. Um, and I, you know, I do think you have different factors playing a role here. I do think CONCACAF Champions League had an early impact. I do think the injuries are having a significant impact. Um, We've seen Seattle get off to bad starts before and rebound quite well and even win league championships. Uh, So I wouldn't sound any alarms just yet. Um, You know, I I think if we're still – Seattle's still in this position – uh, a month from now, then that would be start to be cause for concern. But I find it fascinating that Toronto and Seattle have been in the final the, the last two years and everyone heading into the season essentially thought that that could repeat itself again. And yet they're both at the bottom of the league. And I think, you know, the CONCACAF Champions League stuff had a bigger impact on Toronto than Seattle. But uh, that to me is going to make the MLS regular season may be more interesting than it has been in the past, just because you have teams of such quality in Toronto and Seattle really needing now to make up points. Right. So you mentioned Toronto there, their last place in the Eastern conference as well, sort of having the same struggles with injuries and with fixture congestion for those of us in Seattle who don't watch them on a weekly basis and don't follow them as much has their problem been kind of the same as Seattle or is there something else going on there Toronto that could linger deeper into the season well they're dealing with some pretty significant injuries you know I mean in in the way that Jordan Morris is out for the year uh you know Drew Morris going to be out for a few months uh it looks like with an injury and um you know this is um I think with Toronto there's more of almost a psychological blow Mm. a gut punch of getting that close to winning the CONCACAF Champions League taking the final to penalties and not getting there, which was such a, an important goal for them um, that I think that 
you know, maybe an even bigger impact on Toronto, that psychological blow and seeing how they respond to that than kind of what Seattle has been dealing with so far. I mean, there's a lot of veterans on the Seattle team that I think will get it together and start turning things around pretty soon. It's interesting. Uh, Grant Wall is my guest. He's a Sports Illustrated senior writer, also with Fox Sports TV, author of the new book, Masters of Modern Soccer. Grant, do you believe that we are now at the point with MLS 3.0, seeing it with Toronto and Atlanta and how they're running their organizations? Are we at the point where you must spend to have success in MLS? Um, I think it helps to spend at a certain level, and you don't need to be the biggest spending team in the league to win league titles. Um, and as we saw with Toronto before the last couple of years, you can spend a lot of money, not very well and not make the playoffs. So, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that go into success in this league and, um, it's a league that's designed for parity. Um, we have a little bit more of a gap between the haves and the have nots, uh, in terms of spending these days, but it's still very possible to, uh, you know, you saw Portland a couple of years ago win the MLS Cup without being anywhere near the top in spending. And so uh, I think that's a good thing. I like the fact that a bunch of different teams can win the league uh, each year. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a real difference compared to the top leagues in Europe. Is this year sort of a year to really watch that and look at, I mean, look at the way the table is set up right now, especially with the Eastern Conference, having those high spenders at the top. Let's say the final four is, you know, LAFC, or let's just say the championship is LAFC against Atlanta or New York City FC. Is there a certain point where owners will start to look at the results in Toronto last year as well and say, okay, we're starting to see the shift here. We need to start spending as well. Are we getting closer to that point where they're sort of going to become the realization of where this league is going in the sense of we got to start spending for young players like Atlanta's done just shelling out the cash? You know, we'll have to wait and see, you know. I mean, you certainly have some owners in this league, especially owners of original MLS teams who don't seem to want to spend as much money. Right. Um, you know, we just did our MLS ambition rankings on SI.com, which is an annual thing that we do. And, uh, you know, we ranked them top to bottom. And Atlanta was at the top, and we had Columbus at the bottom. Um, <laughs> and do I personally hope that owners might see this and – the ones at the bottom say, I need to step it up. Sure. But I also don't know if they actually get motivated by that sort of thing. Um, I do think that, um, you know, when you have teams like Toronto who have spent a lot of money and done it wisely, by the way, uh, winning titles, I would like to think that that will cause some of the MLS owners toward the bottom of the ambition rankings to say, look, you know, this isn't a situation anymore where you can, really cut corners right. and not spend it all and have a chance to win. Grant Wall is my guest, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, also with Fox Sports TV. Uh, Grant, looking at this transfer window, which closes here, I think we're just counting down the hours now, a few hours left until this transfer window closes. Seattle, I think a lot of fans are up in arms a little bit over the lack of bringing in a forward. From your view, did this team need to bring in somebody, or is a Will Bruin, Clint Dempsey, and then having the third guy in Lamar Nail there, is that enough depth at forward for this team to survive until that next transfer window. What's your comfortability there if you're somebody cheering for the Seattle Sounders with that depth chart? You know, I, I would just say, look, the, the next summer transfer window isn't far away. 
uh, especially in a forgiving season like MLS is designed to have in the regular season. Um, I don't think it's something where Seattle absolutely has to make some move in the next few hours here. They may. And, you know, from what I've been hearing around the league, the Sounders have actually been looking into that. Mm. Uh, But uh, I don't think there should be a sense that this is something they 100% positively have to do today. Okay. Looking at the rest of the league here, you mentioned Columbus a few minutes ago. That's the Sounders opponent coming up this week. What have you seen from them this season? They bring in Zardes. He's had a good start, fifth in the East right now. There's, of course, many headlines around Save the Crew and the situation going on there, but specifically what you've seen from on the field, what should Seattle expect to see from Columbus this week? Well, I mean, we've grown to know how a Greg Berhalter coach team plays. Uh, They certainly have an identity in Columbus, and they've stuck to it in recent years, and for the most part, from a soccer perspective, that's been a really positive thing. Um, You know, this is a team that is going to send their fullbacks bombing up the field. They're going to put in a lot of crosses. They're going to uh, try to get the ball on Iguain's feet. Uh, and, you know, if you're Jossie's artist, really what you're looking is just to try and put yourself in a position in front of the goal to hit a one-time finish. And I think he can do that. You know, you've done that at times so far. So, um, you know, I like that there's an identity to Columbus. I feel badly that uh, everyone involved with that club is having to deal with the potential of this being a lame duck season. Uh, before they potentially move to, to Austin, which looks likelier than ever, really. Um, but in terms of soccer, uh, I, I like the way Greg Berhalter's teams play, and I think that's why he should be at least under consideration to be the next U.S. national team coach. Well, we'll be watching here. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff on Saturday Pacific time up here in Seattle. We'll have the game right here for you on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Grant Wall has been my guest. He is a Sports Illustrated senior writer, also with Fox Sports TV, and the author of the new book, Masters of Modern Soccer, How the World's Best Play the 21st Century Game. Just Google Masters of Modern Soccer, Grant Wall, W-A-H-L, and it'll pop up on every website that you can imagine to buy it from. Grant, I appreciate your time today. Thanks again for joining me. It was a great chat. Awesome. I enjoyed it. Take care. Great stuff there from Grant Wall, senior writer with Sports Illustrated. Yeah, check out that new book. Very, very good. Uh, some great stuff there. Uh, a couple points uh, A couple points from that interview that I wanted to, to talk about here as we're coming out of it uh, before the break. Uh, he talked about the ambition rankings, which you can go look up at sportsillustrated.com, uh, www.si.com. Uh, he has the Seattle Sounders at number five, which I think is about right there. Uh, and he, it, it dropped down by a couple spots from last year, but that's, that's because of the influx of teams like Atlanta and, and, and LAFC is also number three on that list. But Seattle's right there. And he also gave the, the answer that the next window isn't that far away, and it is. It's only about, uh, I'd say, 11 weeks away. And you don't, he, as he said, you don't have to make a move, in, in, and, and, it, and we're, at, we're at a few hours away here, so it doesn't seem like, like they will. But in the sense of you look at the depth on that attack right now, and Victor Rodriguez is very close to coming back. They have a lot of options in that band of three. They got a bunch of options at the 10, and then, and then their interchangeable wing spots. You know, people will say, you know, look at Magnus Wolf Ikram. He hasn't earned a, you know, a starting spot. I think that has more to do with Alex Roldan than it has to do with Magnus Wolf Ikram because Alex Roldan has been fantastic since he got that first start a few weeks ago. He has three consecutive starts. What he has done for this team has been fantastic. So I think it says more about Alex than it does than it does Magnus. 
And then in terms of the forward spot, which is I, I know a lot of people are concerned about, that's why I asked Grant about that, you have a guy in Will Bruin who's been very durable. Yeah, he had the knock earlier this year, but it was a very quick comeback. You get Clint Dempsey there, and he can go play at that forward spot. He's a goal scorer. And then Lamar Nagel having that versatility in the attack as well. I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily bad depth. And we know that, that Garth Lagaway, he plans to bring in somebody for that spot. That was what he said for weeks now here on this show. So that forward spot, I don't think is as bad of a situation as people say it is. That's just me personally, honestly. Uh, I, I look at Will Bruin and then Clint Dempsey as as good options for a, a one and two guys at that forward spot. So we'll see how it works out. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be leading in leading up to that next window uh, starting, and and we'll really kind of focus on and and talk to Garth each week about about what he's doing and and how fast a team can how fast they can bring in a new number nine for this team uh, number nine being that forward position all right uh, lots of stuff here coming up on Sounders Weekly the rest of the evening talk to Garth Lagerway general manager and president of soccer with the Sounders that's coming up next you'll also hear from Sounders forward Will Bruin as I just mentioned you'll hear from him in the final segment here on the show so that's all coming in, coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR now back to sounders weekly on your home for sounders fc seattle sports radio 950 kjr welcome back to sounders weekly your new home for the seattle sounders sports radio 950 kjr jackson Feltz here in studio hey i just heard a uh, a, a hyatt at all of eight spot there in the uh, in the break i uh, should mention that we did have a winner call in uh, with the answer to the trivia question, the monthly trivia question, which was who is the only player in club history to record three assists in a single postseason? The answer was Joven Jones. Charlene Morgan was our winner. So Charlene Morgan gets the $50 gift certificate towards a dining experience at Urbane in the Hyatt at All of Eight. We'll have another uh, monthly trivia feature from the Hyatt at All of Eight coming up uh, in a few weeks, so make sure you listen to the show then. But congrats to Charlene for winning this one. Uh, all right, earlier today I had a chance, just I would say about an hour ago, a chance to catch up with Sanders general manager and president of soccer, Garth Lagerway. Uh, we talk about transfer deadline day, which is today. Uh, there are windows in which you can sign players and bring players over in MLS. Uh, today was one of the end of uh, the end of one of those windows. So uh, it was essentially, if, if you're familiar with baseball. It's a kind of like a trade deadline day, essentially, where where you it, it's the deadline to bring guys over in this window. Another window opens up in about 11 weeks, uh, but this is the end of a window. So it's a huge day for Garth Lagerway. It, it was really cool to be able to catch up with him for a few minutes. So we led talking about that and also touched on the loss in Los Angeles as well as things that he can take from Seattle Seahawks general manager John Schneider. But like I said, we started by talking about transfer deadline day. I'm doing all right, Jackson. I appreciate you having me on again. Well, it's, a, it's great to have you on here on the night of transfer deadline day, Garth. So thanks for doing this. First off, what is a deadline day like for a general manager? Walk me through. We just went through NFL draft day for, for the NFL and for GMs. So as a general manager, what's it like working on a whole bunch of things at once? How crazy was it today? Um, you, you always get some level of insanity. Um, <laughs> you know, the deadlines force decisions. Uh, and so there was, was always some stuff in the run-up to it, but the deadline day is always where you find out where you know, the rubber meets the road and, and you really just, you just kind of, you know, do things or move on. And what I would, how I describe the market in general is that there are some things available at big premiums. Um, and, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, there wasn't a great value out there for us and, uh, so we, we passed on, on overpaying for a couple of things. So, um, 
you know, not it, – it's a it's just a ridiculously busy day, you know, where it's kind of the fruition of weeks or even months of work on the international front and, and even domestically within the league. So, it's to be fair, it's a fun day. It just you catch me at the end of it. It's a little exhausting, and uh, you're trying to, you know, work through every machination to try to find something. Um, but uh, ultimately, we have confidence in our team, and, um, you know, we feel like in the six matches that we've played so far, we've uh, outperformed our opponent in four of them per expected goals. Uh, and most of the models out there, and, you know, we think that there's a basis to believe that the group is going to uh, continue to improve going forward. So, Garth, you talked there about players that you're targeting coming at a premium prices. Can you target anything that is, is a reason for that, whether it's the World Cup, whether it's just the wrong timing? Why do you think that there's we're, you're seeing premiums on these players at this time? Um, I would say there's two things. One is the market is kind of discombobulated because the cap has gone up so quickly uh, and there's been so much TAM pushed into the system that and there have been more player signings than ever before. And so there's more kind of displaced type players within the league, but nobody's really sure what they're worth. And the leagues improve so rapidly that you have this kind of balance of uh, you know, domestic players because you're, you know, you have a limit on the number of international spots you can you can do, and then, you know, what your TAM player acquisition plans are for the summer. Uh, and as I think I've said earlier, when you use the TAM dollars, there's an incentive to sign, sign them in the summer because the TAM counts dollar for dollar, and so you can get more bang for your buck in the summer than you can uh, in the spring window. So it, it's it, it's complicated and convoluted, as, uh, but you know that's the maybe the simplest way I can put it. All right, Garth, switching gears a little bit, we look back to Sunday in Los Angeles, the home opener for LAFC. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the match here momentarily and the heartbreak that was. But first, Garth, just talk a little bit to the, the pomp and the circumstance and just the atmosphere and environment it was being like there in that beautiful new $350 million stadium they have. That was amazing, Matt. It, it, it's, a, it was a, it's a cool building. It's in a cool neighborhood. Uh, I think that LAFC deserves a tremendous amount of credit uh, for being yet another uh, really successful expansion launch for MLS, and it speaks to how quickly the, like, the league is growing. Um, uh, you know that, but it, it just is. Uh, you know, the fans were there, and every single person in the building had LAFC gear on. You know, from the first game, it's, it's impressive, and it, it's a. Uh, you know, they made substantial investments. You know, not only in the building, but in the training facility, and uh, you know, and it, you know, they're just they're just they're doing things the right way, and. Um, that's where you need a major market like that. Um, you, you know, you need to be able to make an impact and make an impression. And, you know, I'm hugely encouraged that teams like Atlanta, teams like LAFC are modeling themselves after the Sounders launch in 2009. Uh, and if they can replicate the Sounders' success, then that's a really good thing for all of us. So, Garth, moving on to the game itself, like I said, a heartbreak there. Uh, the ball just deflects with it's a bad bounce for Stefan Fry and I, I've said it earlier in the show 999 times out of a thousand he makes that save uh, but this just happened to be the time that it didn't go so well for Seattle you're a former keeper what sort of stuff was he going through in the moment and then it is still going through today Steph's awesome man I mean he, yeah. I told him after the game I said you're gonna win a lot more games for us than uh, than this one so uh, you know, and I think he's been arguably one of our best players so far this season. Again, 
Um, seems like we say that all the time. Uh, so, look, you know, nobody's perfect. And, uh, you know, even more than that, like, Steph stood up after the game and did a seven-minute interview. Uh, and I got a lot of respect for that as well. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy who's a cornerstone of our franchise. And, uh, uh, you know, can't say enough good things about his character and his involvement in our community. And, and he's an awesome goaltender. And, you know, he's going to keep his head up and he's going to come back out. And I bet he's going to be a big player for us in the next game. And, and we look forward to that. All right, Garth, as usual, I try to include a few questions from fans in these interviews. So a couple here. Seattle writer asks, uh, what technology uh, development of the last five years has made your job easier? And then what technology development has made your job harder? Um, there are scouting services where now catalog every single touch of every single game in the world uh, within 24 hours of it happening. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. So... Uh, I'm going to give uh, a real profound answer and say, uh, you know, computers and software, the things that you can do nowadays. I mean, when we started out this, uh, you know, we would have to receive mailed CDs copied off a hard drive, you know, literally, you know, FedEx to us uh, that, you know, we would have to then review and you would get like a game or two of a guy's uh, performance. And you'd, have to, you'd have to decide whether to sign him off of that. Um, and now you can literally watch, you know, anything you want at any time. So that's amazing. And, and the ability to make decisions is greatly enhanced by that. Um, things that make it harder. Um, look, I think as the league grows, you know, you, the fans get more knowledgeable and you get more scrutiny. And, uh, you know, I, I say kind of jokingly with some seriousness that I have the job that uh, not that many people have done and everyone assumes they can do better than me. Uh, you know, and, and I just mean that from a fantasy sports perspective. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Bears fan, and I'm you know second guessing the Bears GM all the time, and that's just, you know that's part of the fun of being a fan. And so I, I get it, and I understand it, and uh, you know, likewise, this you know it brings scrutiny and pressure, and again, that makes you better, uh, but you know it makes it harder at times as well because uh, you and this job, I think the the primary tasking as the steward of the club. Uh, is to make good long-term decisions. And sometimes you have to, you know, uh, you know, you have to be willing to tolerate some short-term pressure, some short-term negativity to make the right long-term decision. To wrap up the interview here, you mentioned you're a Bears fan there. I, I, I have to ask, from one GM looking at another GM, do you like the draft? I mean, how critical do you need to be of the Bears? You make a call? <laughs> I think they've, I think they've had a good offseason. You know, certainly they've they've addressed all their needs. And you know, and again, I I don't know enough about the talent to know you know is this guy good or that guy good. Um, you know, but you know when you look at where they need bad players, they seem to do that. And um, you know, credit to them, they've been active. And and uh, you know, I like the new coach, and you know the the management concepts. I think are maybe the things that I can relate to the most. And you know, if you if you draft the young quarterback and then you pair him with a a good young offensive mind and you keep him with the quarterbacks coach he had before, you know, from a management perspective, all those things make sense to me. Um, as to whether or not they're working on it, it still depends on whether the players are good or not. Right. You know, and then that's, you know, from afar, I don't know how you evaluate that, but uh, that that's what it'll come down to. With the, I mean, the, the NFC North is brutal. I mean, with Cousin Stafford and Aaron Rodgers as your other three quarterbacks, yeah, um, there's just not – a day off, and I think it's going to be real hard for the Bears to, to 
make a jump. Well, we're looking forward to the Week 2 matchup. I believe it's Monday Night Football in Chicago, Seahawks versus Bears. So uh, eventually when we get around to that time of the year, there will be lots of smack talk between us in these weekly interviews. Uh, we'll, we'll have some fun <laughs> with it, I hope. It, it's Because uh, it's been fun to watch the Seahawks uh, kind of make over as well. So Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it, 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 you, you can always learn something, man, I find. that you, you watch teams in other sports, other leagues, there's always concepts you can take. We got one more minute here. What have you learned from from John Schneider just watching from across Lake Washington? Yeah, I mean, look, again, big picture, right? They built their team around defense and a a good uh, rookie uh, contract, right? And it's more complicated than that. I don't want to oversimplify it. But, um, you know, the draft doesn't apply as much to MLS just because it's not a – it's foundational to block. You're signing players from abroad rather than drafting the guys. So you can't translate translate that exactly. But – Look, there's some parallels. When we signed Jordan Morris to a homegrown contract, we said internally, we referred to it as the Russell Wilson contract hmm. internally, um, you know, because he was he's off the cap, and we were able to get really tremendous production out of him, and that's part of the reason that the 2016 team won the title, because we're able to take the money that we saved at that position and spend it elsewhere. Um, and so there's little tidbits like that that I think are, are interesting and fun, and, um, you know, can you get a guy on a, on a, on a rookie contract or something similar and can you then turn that value into uh, a resource for the rest of the group? Great stuff there from Sounders General Manager and President Garth Lagerway. If you joined it halfway through, he did mention at the start of that interview, it is trade, uh, sorry, not trade deadline day, it's transfer deadline day, uh, the end of one of our windows here in MLS. He did say at the start of that interview that there were players available, but they came at a steep premium price, uh, so they did pass on those. So the Sounders uh, not making a uh, acquisition here at the transfer deadline. That is uh, news that we are happy to break right here on, on Sounders Weekly. Uh, all right, one segment left here in Sounders Weekly tonight. Uh, you're going to hear from Sounders Ford, Will Bruin. That's coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Fells here for one more segment. Uh, before we get to my interview with Will Bruin, Sounders forward from earlier today, uh, one thing to, to talk to you guys about. You may remember a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the rivalry road trip promotion from the Seattle Sounders. The concept was that 10 lucky fans would win a road trip to the historic 100th match between the Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers. The grand prize included chartered bus to and from Portland, two tickets to the May 13th match in Portland, a commemorative scarf, food and beverages throughout the trip, a guest uh, a guest of their choice gets to accompany them, and two tickets to the Sounders FC home match against Portland on June 30th. So a whole bunch of prizes there. Well, I have nine final winners to release right now and let you nine winners know exactly who you are and that you're the grand prize winners and get to go on this awesome trip and get to go to the June 30th match. Their names are Jonathan Keys. I hope I spelled that right. Uh, if, I, if, I spelled, if I pronounced that wrong, Jonathan, I'm sorry. Uh, Marjorie Davis, Nathan Daly, Tyra Robison, Julie Hoff, Milton Sagahan, Nancy McNeil, Alan Silva, and Kate Landy. 
So congratulations to the nine of you. Uh, you are the grand prize winners here of the Rivalry Road Trip. So you get that awesome trip to Portland, Oregon for the match, which is coming up in, in 12 days from now. So the May 13th match in Portland, as well as two tickets to go to the home match on June 30th. Uh, tickets are available for those, still available for, for both those matches. Uh, so check that out, soundersfc.com. All right, let's get to my interview with Will Bruin, Seattle Sounders forward. Uh, he and I spoke earlier today. Uh, we talked about the loss in L.A. We talked about Columbus and finished the, finished the interview up with some rapid-fire fun questions. Check it out here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for you, Jackson. <laughs> All right, so, Will, let's start with last Sunday. It's a heartbreaking loss in Los Angeles with the added time free kick by Simon of LAFC for the winner. First off, what was the message between you guys and the atmosphere like in the locker room after the match? And to and from Stefan Fry, just after the heartbreaking loss, what kind of communication was going on between you guys? Yeah, um, you know, first of all, Steph is, I think, one of the best, if not the best goalie in the league. So um, he's kept us in multiple games since I've been here. So uh, guys are allowed to, to make mistakes, and he's the first to own it, and he understands it. And we win as a team, and we lose as a team. So it's no single person. Um, so, you know, Steph's been um, – he takes it pretty hard, but, you know, he's, like I said, he stood on his head before, and he's made big saves to keep us in games when we shouldn't be in games. So, um, you know, it's no one person's fault. But I think we played good, you know, given the environment and the situation. I got to finish our chances, but that's a, that's a different story. And, uh, you know, I think we take positives from it. So, as I mentioned, off day today, does it help to have an extra day off, both physically and mentally, coming off a game like that and also looking ahead to a three-match in eight-day stretch coming up here for the team? Yeah, um, like like you said, I think we have this little extra extra day off because we got a big big schedule, big big uh, week coming up next week. We play Columbus on Saturday, obviously, and then we go to Toronto and then to uh, Portland. So you know, it doesn't get any easier. We we know we knew that this month was going to be tough for us, and uh, you know, I think you know we can build on how we played at LAFC, not having points. It's it is what it is, but um, you know, there's a more important game on Saturday at home. You know, we need to get three points and we can build on that going to Toronto and to Portland. Yeah. So from your view from afar there, what have you seen from Columbus fifth in the East right now? Zarya's off to a great start there. What have you seen from them just initially preparing for Saturday? Yeah. Columbus, they have a great structure. Um, you know, they know how they play. Uh, Greg Berhalter does a really good job of making sure that everybody knows what they're supposed to do in their system. So they're going to be they're going to be uh, tact tactically sound and tough to break down. But um, you know I think if we play our game and and we know how we want to approach the game, which I'm sure we're going to get more into that this week, um, then I'll take our chances. Will Bruin is my guest forward with your Seattle Sounders. Uh, Will, how do you diagnose this attack right now? The team is getting shots and getting shots on goal and creating chances, but balls just haven't seemed to be going in. How do you diagnose the attack and? And what do you as a team need to do to get these shots to go in the back of the net right now? You know, I, uh, I think we're doing a good job keeping possession in the final third and, and, and um, you know, creating chances. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to be more, we need to have that killer instinct in the final third. We need to be quicker. We need to have more aggressiveness. We need to, you know, kind of put the ball. Well, it's easy to say put the ball in the back of the net, but we need to um, take more shots, take more risks. I think in the final third, we're, we play it safe too much, you know keep possession and, and everything but we need a little bit of that magic combination play we need to play with speed and um you know right now it's just not going in the back of the net for whatever reason um but that'll change it's a long year 
So when you talk about needing to be faster and, and not worry as too much about possession in the final third, where does that you know drive start? Does that start in practice and somebody stepping up? And with Schmetzer, does it rely on him needing to say something or a leader on this team needing to step up and say, hey, you need to take that shot. You can't you know dish it off to the other player. You have to take this shot for yourself if you see it open. Where does that start? Because I think it's a good point. Yeah, no, you're right right there. I think, you know, I think in one play um, in the LAFC game, I had a chance to go one-on-one against Zimmerman, and I kind of I laid it off to Nico on the left side. I think I need to be more selfish. I think we need to be more selfish in the final third. And, you know, instead of making that extra pass, shoot. You know, you don't know if you don't shoot. You can't score if you don't shoot. So <laughs> right. if you don't take risks, then you don't get rewarded. So I think um, it's just little things like that that we need to be more aggressive and, you know, have that killer instinct in there. What was it? I want to say Montreal last year. Dempsey tried to chip the keeper from probably about 45, 50 yards out, and it hit the post, I want to say. You never know if you don't shoot, right? Yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> he tried that again against Tyler in LAFC. That's I mean, right. It was, yeah. it was a little shorter <laughs> shot, but, you know, stuff like that. He looks for that. So. All right, Will. We'll end the interview today, and Will Bruins, my guest, forward with the Seattle Sounders. Uh, we'll end the interview like I do all these player interviews here on Sounders Weekly with some rapid-fire fun questions for fans to get to know you a little better. Sound good? <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, we'll start off with this one. In your time in Seattle, what has been your favorite restaurant to go to here? Ooh, um, rapid-fire, but that's, that's pretty quick. Probably Tavolata. What's that? Uh, Italian in Belltown. All right, we'll have to check that out. Uh, Will, what is one food you yeah. could eat every day for the rest of your life? Pizza. Pizza. Any specific kind of pizza? Yeah. Um, I like spicy Italian sausage, but oh. you know, I'm not, I'm not very picky when it comes to pizza. Specific place for that, spicy Italian? I like serious pie. Serious pie is pretty good. Serious and, pie. And uh, Delancey's in Ballard is pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah, Delancey. You know what? I'm a, I am live in Ballard as well, so that is right up my alley, Will. There you go. They always tell you it's like an hour wait. But yes. It's never that long, so. I mean, okay, I've had to wait an hour, so I don't know. You have some pull, obviously, that I don't, because I have had to wait an hour no, for no. pizza. I don't have any pull. Uh, oh. now, maybe, maybe I go to the bar next door and time goes quicker. But <laughs> See, now that it helps. It seems like it's as long as it is. Yeah, exactly. Now, on the other side, Will, what is one food you would avoid for the rest of your life? Ooh. Oh, man. That's tough because I eat a lot of food and a lot of things. <laughs> I'll try anything. Um, nothing comes to mind right now. Because I'm always willing to try stuff. I like that. All right. So nothing. You, you'll eat anything. Maybe olives. Olives. Don't uh, have I'm a... not really a big fan of olives. Yeah, so avoid the olives, olives on the pizza. pizza. There you go. <laughs> Will, you can have dinner with one person alive or dead from all time. Who are you having dinner with? Oh, my gosh. That's tough. First thing that came to mind was Michael Jordan. But um, hmm. the more I think about it, the more in-depth I want to get with going back. You know, that's a good one. I would like to pick Michael Jordan's brain to see yeah. you know, how how he competed and how he was a winner. Yeah, Michael Jordan having that enormous ego and just always telling everybody I'm the best. And I think picking his brain would be a lot of fun, especially for a goal scorer like you. Yeah. I would like to see his uh, killer instinct. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Will, we'll close it with uh, one final rapid-fire question. What is your favorite band? And kind of a separate part to that is their best song of yours. Okay, my favorite, uh, I'm a country guy, I like country music. My favorite artist is probably Eric Church. Um, you know, Kenny Chesney is a good one, too. But um, probably, I'll go Eric Church is my favorite. And his my favorite song by him is probably Springsteen, or Sinners Like Me, one of those two. 
Great stuff there from Sounders Ford, Will Brew, and the country fan. Uh, and thanks again for all my guests today, Garth Loggerway and Grant Wall as well. That'll do it today for Sounders Weekly. Thanks to all the guests for joining us. Again, congrats to the winners of the Rivalry Road Trip and also to Charlene Morgan for the Hyatt at All of Eight monthly trivia feature. That'll do it. Make sure you listen on Saturday, 1 p.m. kickoff against Columbus, 12.30 pregame. Thanks for listening to Sounders Weekly on your new home, Sports Radio 950 KJR.